have you this morning. I put that in the announcement video every week so I know I feel good about myself, so you at least clap one time. But uh, we're so happy to have you. If it's your first time here again, we're just honored to have you. We want to help you. We want to serve you any way we can. So please never leave family life without letting somebody know if you need something. I'm usually the last person to leave, so I'm always around out there in the lobby um, talking to people. So several weeks ago, we started a series called Inspired. And in this series, we're learning how to bring inspiration back into our finances. Or if it was never there, we're trying to, to show you how to get it there. And, uh, you know, studies suggest that 75% of Americans um, don't like their current financial situation. And they would like to change the direction uh, that they're going. And so maybe you, call in this, maybe you fall in this category. Maybe, maybe throughout the years and... You ended up with too much debt. Maybe you don't have anything in savings. Uh, maybe managing your money is just a, just, a, and it's just a place of worry and concern and anxiety. And so, if so, this series, we're just focusing on, on practical things that you can do to turn your, your situation around. And the Bible is full of helpful hints and practical insights, uh, you know, to help you get on the right track. And... Uh, I found this, a, a quote by, by C.S. Lewis, and uh, they'll put that up here on the screen. And it's a very, very important. It says this. It says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And so, listen, when I talk about something, we're talking any time I do a series on something, it's never to bring condemnation. It's never to make you feel bad about where you've been at. Hey, all of us have been and done things we're not proud of, right? And the grace of God forgive, forgives us, but we can start today and do something fresh. And so if, if, you're, if you are not happy where your finances are, uh, you can start today and change the ending. It's very interesting. Uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, he's known today as one of the great apologists of his generation, um, very, very intelligent professor and all kind of things, but he, he was raised as an atheist. And he got saved, gave his life to Jesus while he was a professor. And um, that's a very profound statement that he can't go back and change the things he thought and did before he was saved. But he can start today and change the ending. And he changed his ending. And he changed the ending for thousands of people across the world, maybe perhaps hundreds of thousands, who read his work and, and put their trust in Jesus Christ. So I try to start with some different quotes each week, just trying to help you out. And so here's the first thing we're going to start at today is that when, when managing your money, it takes consistency. It's more like a crock pot than a microwave. We've become a microwave, fast food generation. I mean, think about it. What's one of the top brands is Speedo, right? We want everything quick. We want everything quick. We want everything fast. And uh, the truth is we, we all want quick fixes. We would all Love to find a quick fix uh, that's painless and immediate solution to our financial issues and problems. But usually, it takes discipline and time to achieve positive results. So you can start today and use some of these things we've been talking about. And you'll see immediate, immediate results the next three weeks, the next six weeks. But most probably, to get yourself all the way to where you want to be, it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, take some time. But you have to get started. Proverbs 13, 11, it says this, Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. 
Say that when they say little by little. So you just make little changes. Little changes can make, over time, make a huge difference. So last week we talked about uh, managing your money. And I know that topic is really boring, but I tried to, I tried to bring, it, bring it to life. And, and uh, ho- hopefully I help people. And um, I, gave you, I, gave you, I gave you a tool. It was called everydollar.com. This is Dave Ramsey. It's a free budgeting tool that you can use. And I think if you pay for the upgrade, which it's not that much, you can even link your account to your budget. So if you budget $600 a month for food, whenever you get to a certain amount, it'll tell you you're getting close. You're getting close uh, so that you don't overspend in a budget. But the starting point, the starting point, you have to know where you are. You have to know where your situation is. You have to know what you earn, what, what comes in, what you owe, and where it all goes. Um, in your bulletin today, I, I forgot to do this last week, so I just put a, a, a monthly family budget in there. And this is what um, a professional budgeting people say that you should give per light item in your budget. And so, in other, in other words, if you have a budget, uh, you know, of course, this is a Christian one, so they say, you know, giving and medical, but like housing should be 25 to 35% of your income, and it, it goes all the way down how much percentage you spend on food. And here's, here's what I noticed. Uh, when it, a number of years ago, I used to lead the Dave Ramsey class, and then several other people started doing it for me. Uh, but when I did Dave Ramsey class for three or four years, what I noticed is everyone came in and said, we're not wasting any money. And after they started looking at budgeting, they found out that they were spending too much in one category. Like, you know, you can't spend 80% of your income on a car. That's a problem, okay? You know, I, I know you love your Trans Am, your Corvette, or whatever that's, that's, that's. So when, when they adjusted um, the percentage of their budget to what came in, they started saving all kind of money. I'll give you just an easy example. There was, um, there was one couple that I, that I met with, and um, um, I, I found out that they were spending like $1,800 a month on food. Now, they had a family of four, okay? And, um, and the budget said that they should spend about $800. I'm like, well, how are y'all spending that much money? Are y'all eating out? They're like, no, we don't eat out. And I found out that they just loved hosting people. And they would invite large groups of people to their house every weekend. And they paid for everything. I was like, well, how come you never invited me? I mean, <laughs> steak, pork chops. I mean, they weren't doing weenies, man. They were doing good stuff. And I'm like, look, you know, you, you're going to have to cut that back. So what they found out is they were spending $700 to $1,000 too much every month just on food. And I'm like, you know, let people start helping you bring food, right? And then don't let them bring Tupperware things and let them take your food home, right? Just keep it there. I'm sorry, that was a jab. That was a jab at somebody. We have somebody in here. We have somebody in here, and I don't know where he is, but he's sitting on the second row right here. He goes over to your house, he brings Tupperware. Bro, get that Tupperware out of here, man. But, uh, but anyway, just by making an adjustment in that area, they save $700 to $1,000 a month. Over 20 or 30 years, that's retirement. That's retirement. And so we have to make sure that it, well, what comes in where we're spending it accordingly. All right. So, uh, but a budget is there just simply to help you do that. And what we're looking at is I'm kind of a systems person. And all the young people, college students in here, students, if you'll start using a budget, it doesn't matter if you work part-time and make $50 a week. 
if you start using a budget, then every, as you start making more and as one day you graduate or you start a, a full-time job, you'll already have a system in place that tells your money uh, where to go and really makes, really makes things, uh, you know, really simple. So today, this is our third week, and today I'm going to talk about a topic that this is going to shock you, okay? You're going to be like, Terry, I thought you were trying to help us. And I'm going to talk today about giving, okay, about giving. And I'm going to show you in the Bible how important giving is. And here, here, here's something that's very important to me. The only thing that can increase is what we give. The only thing that God multiplies is, is, what, is what we give and how we help others. And uh, if it's your first time here, you notice we didn't have a five-minute sermon in the middle of our service uh, trying to get you to give. We teach our people to give. We have offering boxes out there. We have online giving. We don't manipulate people in our church to give. And here's the thought. If you're a member, if this place is important to you, and, you know, we share the vision with you, if you want to give, you can. Uh, I'm not going to argue with anyone about that, and, and no one here have I ever uh, made feel funny about that. And I do that so that I can talk about giving very freely because giving is the one thing that can liberate you. And, and, and I'm serious. If you're in a bad position financially right now, I'm going to guess that you're not giving anything. Okay? It got real quiet in here, so I guess I'm right, you know. Um, but when we get in a bad position, the last thing we think about is giving. And God says the one thing that can set you free and bring increase is when you're able to give some of what God's blessed you back to him and to help others. But let's talk about this. The Bible has a lot to say about giving. In fact, it's a book on giving. Uh, put, these, put those words up there. So some very important words in the Bible. You know, prayer, that's very important, the word, the word uh, prayer. And it's used 371 times. That's, that's pretty good. Anytime pray, praying, prayer, anytime that word is used in the Bible, 371 times. That's a lot. If the Bible says something once, it's important. If it says something several times, it's very important. 371 times. The word love. The word love is used 714 times. That's huge. For God so loved the word. Anytime the word love, loved, loving, all that, all that, 714 times. The word believe. We know that you can't even, you can't even be a child of God until you believe. You have to believe. So the word believe, believed, in the past tense, believing, uh, that's used uh, 272 times. But the word giving, anytime the word giving, gave, uh, it, it's used 2,162 times. That's just, just amazing how much the Bible talks about giving of our time, giving of our treasures, giving, giving uh, different things from our lives. In, in, in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul said this in the New Living Translation. He said, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So uh, giving is a gracious act. If we take some of what we have to help somebody else, it, it, it's a gracious act. It's, it's, it's out of grace. And then he remembers in Acts 20, 35, Paul quotes Jesus, and he says this, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. More blessings come from giving than getting. And very, very important. So the Bible clearly teaches that uh, teaches us to give back a portion of what, re what re we receive to God and others. But, you know, several years ago, when I, when I started, when I became a pastor, 
I was raised in church. And I went through the Bible for myself and, and answered all the questions that I had. And I, and I acted like uh, what I had been taught was, was neutral. And I, I wasn't, see, a lot of times we go through life and, and, and we're, we're um, what is that, what's that word? We're, uh, we have a predetermined idea of something, you know, so um, we're skewed. And, and I went through and said, I, I want to know why. Why is it so important that to God that we give? And you thought, you know, you can think several things. Well, you know, God needs my money. It is true that God uses people. He uses people on this earth to impact the earth. But God, you know, the Bible says that all the gold and all the silver belongs to God. So he doesn't really need our money, okay? I mean, that's, that's pretty evident. And to back it up, I heard it. So I'm, I'm trying to figure this out one day because I'm like, I want to know the answer before I try to teach people. And um, so I heard a story uh, that just verified this, that God doesn't need our money. He uses our money to, to build things, but if you won't give it, he'll find somebody who will. So very, very simple. So there was a missionary, uh, and I can't remember where, where it was, maybe over in Tanzania or somewhere. And uh, he, he, he was over there, and he had to have some money for his mission work, or they were going to confiscate his building. And all of, all of his, all of the networks, the internet, the phone lines, everything were down, and he couldn't get... He couldn't get any of the money from the organization that was supporting him. They were going to send him the money, and he, and he couldn't, and it was like tomorrow's the deadline. He couldn't get a hold of any, any of his friends. There was no communication outgoing or ingoing. There was no mail. And um, so he didn't know what to do, and he was feeling so much pressure. So he went out, you know, he lived in a wooded area, and he went out in the woods, and, and it's an incredible story. And he says he went out there and he just got on his knees and he's like, God, you sent me here. I've been working. I've been doing all this. Everything hinges on me getting this money. And he, he was just praying like this. And he said, all of a sudden, he felt something in his right hand. And he looked and there was the exact amount of money he needed in the currency of Tanzania. He looked around. <laughs> no one's around. So God, 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 can, God can do anything. The second, the second thing is this, is, is um, let's go to, act, to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Here's the answer. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says this, that we are created in the image of God. Do you agree with that? We are created in the image of God, and God is a giver. God is a giver. We're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to reflect God, and God is a giver. I mean, think of all the things that God has given us here this morning. I mean, first of all, he gave us his son for our sins. I mean, we could sit here and be blessed. I mean, we have, we have cars, we have houses, we have families, we have jobs. I mean, what he's given us, it just, the list is, 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 is exhaustive. So the answer is, we're supposed to give because we were created in the image of God, and if we're going to be like God, we have to be a reservoir instead of a conduit. And reservoir is something that things flow through, and not something where, 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 where it stops. There are three avenues of giving in the Bible. Uh, first of all, there's three, three ways the Bible says that you can give. Uh, first of all is tithes, which is a, a tenth of your increase. We'll talk about that a little bit later. An offering, there's free will offerings where you can give something uh, to, to someone or something above that if you have that. And then alms is money given directly to the poor in the needy. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you this morning. We're, we're going to talk about a biblical basis for tithing. 
And I, I, I want to say this. I want to say this. I, and my dad taught me this principle, and, and from the very beginning, as I mean, I was started, got my first job when I was 12. I always, I always tithed. When I was in the military, there were some months that I couldn't even, I, I, I couldn't go be a, a member of a church because I was overseas doing things. And every month, I wrote a tithe check to my church back home. And if I had done a lot of sinning that week, week, that week I, added, I added another 10% to missions. True, uh, true story, actually. True story. I did some sinning when I was in the Army. So, hey, you know, I, I you know. I, when Trace and I got married, we sat down and talked, and I was like, listen, um, it's so important to me that I would have not married her if she just said I won't tithe. That, that's how important it is to me. Uh, this, this principle is, is a life uh, setting for your, the course of your life, and of course, she, she had no problem with it. You know, my kids, uh, my kids are in college, they're working hard, and I tell them this, listen, mom and I are helping you out right now, but you have to tithe, because I don't want to come under a curse. It, you tithe, you tithe, and if you need help, we'll help you. But you've got, you've got it, you've got to tithe. It's just an incredible thing. So let's look to, back where it started. Um, the tithe goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, but it's really laid out in, in, in Leviticus it's really laid out in the law. And here, here's what's happening. Um, God has brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. They're, they're at Mount Sinai. And for a year, they're there for a year, and he teaches them how to live. They've been, they've been living in slavery for 400 years, and he teaches them how to live as a free people, how to live as a nation under God. So if you read it, he's just laying out, this is how you live. This is how a society should operate. And he, he says this, he says, a tithe of everything from the land, Leviticus 27, 30, and 32, whether grain from the soil or fruit of the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. And so, now if you remember the, the nation of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, well, when they were in, in Egypt, they didn't have anything. When he brought them out, he said, he told Moses, you're going to plunder the Egyptians. And so, uh, God, they, they took jewels and all these things that the Egyptians had given them. So they had nothing, and they leave Egypt with all the wealth of Egypt. And then they're going to a promised land, and God told them, look, you're going to get houses you didn't build, land you didn't pay for. It is going to be your inheritance. So you had nothing. You had absolutely nothing but I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give you the ability. I'm going to give you land and houses and vineyards that you didn't plant, and I'm going to give you the ability to have wealth. But here's one thing I want you to do. I just want you, the, the first tenth of your increase of what you make belongs to me. I want you to bring it back to the temple area. Deuteronomy 14, 22, and 23, it says, Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year, Eat the tithe of your grain and the new wine and olive oil and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord, your God, at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord, your God, always. So there was a, a reverence associated with it. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits. That's the first part of all your crops. And then there's a, a blessing associated with it. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
And then, of course, in the New Testament, Matthew 23, 23, it says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, uh, but you have neglected the, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter. You should have tithed, but without neglecting the former. And what's he telling him? He, he, he was berating, Jesus was berating the Pharisees because, yeah, they acted so holy because they tithed, then, then they, they, they didn't treat people, they, they didn't have mercy and faithfulness and justice. And, and, you know, tithing isn't the only thing. It's just a very important thing. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't have character in other areas as well. A lot of times, sometimes people tell me, well, Terry, you know, the, um, you know tithing is, is mentioned in the law. And we've been delivered from the law. And now we're under the new covenant with Jesus. So uh, that does away with tithing. And I said, well... You know, hundreds of years before the law happened, in Genesis chapter 4, there's a story of Cain and Abel. And we know, we know that Cain uh, what was, what was a farmer. He raised, uh, he raised crops, and Abel was a shepherd. He had flocks. And the story goes like this in Genesis 4, that, that, that Abel brought the first, that's very important, the first of his flock to the Lord for his offering. And this is in the course of time. So time's going by in the course of time. Cain decides to bring an offering of what he had to the Lord, and it wasn't accepted. Well, what's the difference? Abel brought the first. It was the first thing in his heart. And Cain, just kind of like, I'm going to give God a tip, you know, in the course of time. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. We learn in Genesis 14, again, before the law, way before the law, uh, that uh, Abraham ties to a guy named Melchizedek, who's a very important guy. We've talked about him before. And then there's a story in Genesis 28 about Jacob. Remember, Jacob had a brother named Esau. He, 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 he deceives his brother, steals his birthright, steals his inheritance, all this kind of stuff. And so Esau says, I'm, I'm going to kill him. And uh, I don't know if you ever felt that way about a sibling, but that's the way that went down. And so the mother, his mother loves her son, and so she sends him off to her, 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 um, her side of the family in Padam Aram. And it, remember, Jacob is leaving, and he's scared, and he's leaving. He comes to a place called Bethel, and he has this vision of God and angels ascending and descending uh, down this ladder. And he wakes up, and he's like, man, this is the house of God, and I didn't even know it. And so he names it Bethel. And he, very important, here's what he says. He's like, God, if you will be with me, and if you will bring me back to this place. He had nothing except the clothes on his back and what he, was, what he could carry. If you will bring me back. Surely you will be my God, and everything you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. So all those things happen way before the law, if you're interested about that. So here's the, the greatest question, is what is the purpose of tithing? And, and I, I think the number one thing is to, to show who is first place in your life. And I, I think what, what we spend our money on and what we spend our time on those two things show what is the most important to us. And so when, when you honor God with the first, when you put him first, what you're saying is God has a priority in my life. And, you know, the implication where, where we give our money reveals certain things about us. First of all, giving implies love. Why, why, do, why do parents spend a lot of money on their kids? Because you love them. It, you love them. And, 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 you know, we usually don't give the things we hate. I mean, we, that usually doesn't happen. Giving implies importance, you know. 
uh, what, what, how we spend our money. It shows what's important to us. And giving implies value. And in Matthew 6, 21, it says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So a number, a number of years ago, um, you know, when I, when, I, when I started this church, we, we didn't have any people, and we didn't have any money. I was working jobs to, to get this church going, and, and, and I just, I just I, I ha- I'm curious. I just want to, I love people. I love hang, talking with people, and I love the fact that we have such a variety of people here, and I'm always curious as to what people think, because uh, if I know what people think, then I can take God's word and answer questions. And so what I learned, they started they doing all, the, all these studies, and, and studies show that the majority of Christians who come to church every week, the majority of Christians don't put God first in their finances. The majority, of, 12%, 12%. So we have millions of people going to church every Sunday. Uh, we have, I don't know, several hundred thousand here in the Houston area and if you go to every church, the, the, the average would be that 12% of the people that come there every week who call it their church uh, give anything or, or, or tithe the full 10%. And so, you know, when I, heard, when I heard that, I'm like, you know, that, this is a long time, that can't be true. Like, I, I was just, my heart was just ripped out, you know, I was like, that, that can't be true. There's no way that can be true. There, that just, that can't, it's impossible. How could people who, who have been saved by Jesus, who've been saved by his grace, who God has done so much for them and blessed us with, I mean, church, we're, we're, we're just blessed. And, you know, the one thing I, you know, I hear people complain about our country, and, and I know that every country can always do better, but, man, I go around the world on mission trips, and I go where people, if, if, there's no government that's going to help them. There's no family to help them. If they don't have money, they just die. I go to places where there's no medical, there's no medical places. Pastor Joseph, we support in India. The first time I went there, we're driving down the road, and I see a cross on the side of the road, and he said, that's my, that's, that's my son. God, help us. And we go around that thing. That's my daughter. I'm like, Joseph, what are you talking about? He had three kids. The first two of them died because he's out on the mission field with no medical help. And they died of malaria. And, I, and I, here I am sitting next to him like, man, I feel like a loser. This guy has given everything to serve God. And I'm, we're sitting back here just enjoying luxury. And so it, 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 when, I, when, I, when I saw that, it's just like, God, it can't, it can't, that can't be true. Please tell me, God, that we haven't put houses and cars and kids, and vacations, and hobbies, and eating out, and so many insignificant other things ahead of honoring you with what you've helped us be able, uh, you know, to make. And, you know, as I talk with people, here, here's the problem, and I believe this, true, I believe this wholeheartedly. Uh, the problem is not that people don't want to give. You know, I talk to so many people. It, the problem is not that, it's not that they're selfish or stingy or that they don't want to give. The problem is that their finances aren't in good shape. And if you're, you're struggling even just to pay your bills, to help somebody else is almost a far cry. And that's why the first two weeks we've been talking about some practical things to help you with your finances. I, I encourage everyone here, 
take the Dave Ramsey class. We've been offering that for 12 years. It's, it's a masterpiece on how to get uh, your finances in order. So if you're here, may, maybe you're a new Christian. Sometimes I have new Christians come up to me and say, Terry, I've never heard of this tithing word. But I know one thing, I can't give 10%, you know. And so I tell people, just start. You know, if you didn't know anything about this, God is gracious. Just start where you are. Just start. You can't change the beginning, but you can change the ending. Remember? You, you, God doesn't care about what you haven't done. He cares about where your heart is and where, and where you want to go. And so I don't say that out of condemnation, but I, I say that, you know, just start with where you are. And you'll see God's blessings begin to fall on your life. And as he blesses you, just take care of the tithe before you go buy a house that's $200,000 more than the one you have now. You know, just, just put things into proper, into proper perspective. So I, here's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to talk about the benefits of tithing. And here, here's what I know. Whenever we need to change something, we will never change what we're doing or how we're living unless we see that there are benefits associated with it. Right? I mean, I mean, who wants to go to the gym? Who wants to work out? Who wants to get in better shape just for nothing? I mean, if there was no benefit to it, hey, let's all sit on the couch and eat Twinkies, you know? The benefit is that you can have more quality of life, you know? The, the benefit is that hopefully you don't have health problems later on. So the book of Malachi, it's, it's the last book in the New Testament. And it's, a, it's really, if you've never read the book of Malachi, I encourage you just to go home and read it. It's really kind of crazy um, what, it, what it is. At this point, God is speaking to the prophet Malachi, to the people. And at this time, there's no worship in Israel. There is no worship going on in Israel. You say, well, why not? Well, all the people... This is hundreds of years later after Leviticus, and, and they, they'd quit giving, so all the priests who, the only way they could take care of the, of the, of the um, temple was, was by the tithes of the nation. So no tithes come in, so they're just all out working jobs. There's no worship going on, in, in, and so the whole book of Malachi is about returning to God. It's funny, it says, return to me, and then he talks about their money. And they're giving, and it's a crazy thing. So let me read one passage, and then we're going to talk about four or five benefits of tithing. It says Malachi 3, verse 6 through 12. Are y'all doing okay? I know, I know, listen, I know, you know, every time I talk about this, I try to sneak it in. I don't put it on Facebook or anything because 30% of you won't come. I don't want to hear about that. But, okay, I'm doing a sneak attack. As your friend and your pastor, this is one principle in your life that can turn your life around. It can turn your life around, but it needs more than an amen. It needs obedience. Okay? Here we go. It says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. How many of you are so thankful that God is forever gracious and loving, so we're not destroyed? Amen? And uh, it, it says, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? So they're asking a question. And then he responds to this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse the whole nation because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, 
says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. So how many of you today consider yourself blessed? Leave your hands up. I'm not done yet. You're blessed, okay? Do you have more than you can handle? Is your, has your bank ever called you and said, uh, please don't put any more money in it? You can put your hands down. So there's more blessing to come. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. This says that if you, you, you test me in this, that I will throw open the flood. See, natural boundaries cannot contain the floodgates of heaven. Natural boundaries can, cannot contain the blessings associated. It says, it says that you won't have enough room to store it. So what happens if you don't have enough room to store it? You have to give it away. It's more than you need. It's more than your family needs. It says, I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it's right, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours is a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And, and so look at this. It says, I'm, I'm going to bless you so much, and I'm going to prevent. There, he talks about the pests. We're going to talk about this. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and your vines. They won't, they won't drop their fruit before it's ripe. So we're going to talk about, I can't remember how many, I think four or five ways, benefits of tithing. So if, if you tithe, if you begin to tithe, if you begin to trust God, I know it's difficult if you've never done it. If you will start to do this, these are, these, are, these are five things that will come into your life guaranteed. Number one, we will learn to reverence God. We will learn, you'll learn to reverence and respect God. Do you, do you think today that we have a lot of Christians coming to church that don't actually reverence God? And sometimes we just come in the presence of God almost flippantly, like we deserve something. And, and, and reverence is, is, a, is a fear, or, but it's not I'm scared of God. It, it's a, it's a, it's a um, reverence, a respect for God. That's what we read in Deuteronomy 14, 23. So here's something important. Although we are told to be good stewards of our money, all God, God says is you give me 10, the 90 will be blessed. God, nowhere in the Bible does God put budget restrictions on you. God does not tell you how much to spend on vacations, how much to spend on houses, how much to spend on food or hobbies. He doesn't tell you that. He just says be a good steward of it. All he says is that he wants the first 10%. And so every, every time you tithe, you make God a priority. You are saying that he is the head of your finances. Number two, number two, it brings you under God's protection. It brings you under God's protection. Notice it says the curse is not from God. Jesus died and he broke the curse on our lives, okay? But here's what happens. If we directly disobey biblical imperatives, if we directly obey something we know to be true in God's word, then in that area of our lives, there's no blessing. God is not, gonna, God is not going to bless a dis disobedience. So, so God says, God says this, that if you will tithe, I will rebuke the devourer. That's the devil. I'll rebuke the devourer so that he won't hamper your life. He won't hamper your life. And, and see, you say, what is it? That didn't make sense. He talks about their vines not dropping fruit and, and their crops, you know, coming up. So here, here's today. If, if, if you're a tither, what you can expect is this, is that God's going to rebuke the devourer. What it can mean 
it can mean that cars last a whole lot longer than they should. Someone's praying for that car to keep going right there. I've done that. I've done that. I mean, it, it, may, it may mean that all the, kids in your, all the kids in your kids' class get sick, but yours don't. The family next door all have the flu and you don't pay any medical bills. I mean, it's amazing how much money we can save when we actually tithe. This is a funny story. One time a guy was talking to me. He came in. He, he came in. He initiated the conversation. He's like, man, I know I need to tithe. I know I need to tithe, but, man, I'm just I'm having a hard time just releasing that. So he called me two days later. He's like, hey, you know how I, was, I told you I was having problems with tithing and all that? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, well, I got over it. I said, how'd you go over it? He's like, well, the next day my dog went out and ate, ate my air conditioner wires in my house, and it cost me more than my tithe. So I'm good. I'm good. Moving forward, moving forward, I'm good. You know, we're, we're good. And, and so I want, you, I want you to think about this. What, what we're saying is this. You're walking, you're walking through life, okay? And basically when we're talking that, we come under God's protection. Basically what, we mean, what it means is we're walking. It may still be raining, but we have coverage. Your, your feet may still get wet. Your feet may still get wet, but you have coverage. You have coverage. And if you, have any of you ever gone somewhere and it wasn't supposed to rain and you get trapped out there, and, but you got to run to your car, but it's a Houston rain. It is coming down. It is coming down, which, you know, so you're going to try to run to your car. You know, you're going to try to run to your car, and, and you know, you, you, you have a new car, so you locked your keys in the car, so you actually have to push the code. Come on! You know, you're running out there, and there's three inches of water on the ground, so water is splashing up, you know, so you get, you get in the car, and you have hair gel running down your face. That's what you look like when you go through life without God's protection. You, you, you have no idea how many catastrophic things are happening to you that if you were under God's protection, it would change. So let, let, me, let me, you say, now let me, remember, we talked about this. So it doesn't mean that just because you're a tither under God's protection, it doesn't mean that bad things still don't happen sometimes. It doesn't mean that your feet don't get wet. It means that you won't drown. It means that every time something happens to you. God is the source to help you get through it. That, that's what it means, that you're not on your own. Uh, I'll share, share a testimony with you. I, I have so many testimonies. I know y'all, y'all get tired of hearing them. So it, just, just to let you know that sometimes bad things happen to tithers, my house flooded during Hurricane Harvey, and my house flooded the year before Hurricane Harvey. I have spent $175,000 repairing houses in the last 20 months. Okay? Now, I, you know, I, I, I keep reminding God that I'm a tither. You know, God, I'm a tither. You know, the water's coming. I mean, anytime you, you want. So this last time, you know, we, we got to the first time, this last time during Hurricane Harvey. So we, we, we had flood insurance. So, But I, I know this. I know that even to fix everything up, I'm going to be out seven to $10,000 in but Trace and I, you know, again, we put God first. We, not only do we tithe, we give the missions. We give a lot of money away. And so we, 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 do, we always tell each other, hey, it's God's money. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna, he's gonna do this for us. So after the last flood, you know, like I know what's coming. 
I know and we out $17,000. So a week after the flood, I get a call. I'm here at the church. It's 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. I get a call from a pastor across town that I've, ne- I've never met this man before. I still have never met him. I don't know what he looks like. And he said, hey, pastor, I have a guy in my church who God has just blessed abundantly, and he wants me to get a hold of every pastor in town whose house is flooded, and he wants to give them money. And he said, if you will, if you will give me your, your account, he, we're going to transfer $7,000 into it today. You know what? Now I know who to call. So the first thing, I'm, I go on the defensive. I'm like, this is a scam, man. They're going to try to steal from me. I made this guy send me a photograph, and I, and I made him give me a reference to call. It's 10 a.m. By 1 p.m., there's $7,000 in my account. It gets better than that. Two weeks later, I, had another, I got an anonymous amount of, in my mailbox, $3,000. I was going to be out 7 to 10, and God gave me 10. Now, here's the deal. I didn't, I didn't tell all these people that gave, that gave money, I solicited nothing. I didn't get up in front of people and say, oh, I need help, we're not going to eat. You, you know, you do that, you'll get, you'll get pity. You trust God, you get provision. Okay, so I, I'm just telling you, we had, we had, um, we had some, uh, we had several, in our small groups, our Bible studies, in the spring, the, the men, we had a, we had a great time. Um, we, we talked about some things. We broke down into small groups. And, and I, I love the small groups because all men are, some, ladies, sometimes you think that your husband won't talk to you, but they talk to other men. And we were talking about generosity and giving one of the weeks. And, and I had a guy, and, and I'm not going to say his name, and no one knows who it is, and hopefully this is, it doesn't embarrass him. And he's like, you know, I've really thought that I was very generous, but now I'm questioning myself. And he's like, you know, I think that perhaps I'm not as generous as I could be or want to be because I feel such a weight on myself. And so they said, well, what's the weight? He's like, well, I don't have any family. Like, if, if we don't have enough money for our bills, like, that's it. That's, I don't have anyone else to fall, fall back on. And, you know, as we talked, I'm like, you know, the problem, here's the thing. If you put God first, you do have someone to fall back on. You don't have to assume all the weight of your financial pressures. You don't have to assume it. God never wanted you to assume it. He didn't want husbands and wives to argue and fret over it. He wanted them to be under his canopy of protection and and just to trust him. How many times has something happened to you and you almost began not to trust God, but he actually came through? So many times we, we, we've got we've to trust him. The third thing is this, is that it, it, it provides financial support for local church. And, and uh, you know, I go, I go to the gym and all these guys know I'm a pastor. I have heard every joke about giving in church from them. Every joke. And so I invited them to church. After they tell me every joke, I invited them to church. I'm like, hey, come to church. I know you haven't been in a while. And give a lot because you're way behind. I, like, I'm not going to take that. But here, here's the joke. Here's the most popular joke. These two guys are out fishing, and it, 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 they, it's like Gilligan's Island. These two guys get marooned out on an island, and they're in the middle of nowhere. And so, you know, one guy is building SOS things, and the other guy's just sitting under, he's just sitting under a tree just relaxing. 
cut him up a coconut, he's drinking coconut. Another guy says, man, what are you doing? We're going to die out here. He said, relax, I go to church. And so he kept doing the SOS thing. He's like, dude, you've got to get up and help me. He's like, no, you don't understand. He said, I know you go to church. He's like, no, I go to church and I'm a tither. Okay, so you go to church and you tithe, what's the big deal? He's like, listen, I make $5 million a year. You're trying to figure out what that tithe is, aren't you? $500,000. He said, come under the tree and relax with me. Believe me, my pastor is coming to find me. You have no idea how true that is. That's not a joke at all. Everyone's laughing. I didn't laugh at all. But here's the truth. The kingdom of God on earth is, is financed by Christians giving back a portion to the local church. The devil's, attacking, the devil's attacking the kingdom of God by attacking the finance of the local church. And if the church is impoverished, how are we going to reach the world? How are we going to help disciple the next generation? How are we going to help the poor? How are we going to support local and global missions projects? Our ability to help and serve others is based on the generosity of church members. And so it says, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe, which is 10%, to the storehouse, which is the local church, wherever you're spiritually fed at. And the promise is that there will be food in my, in my house. Number four, I'll wrap up quickly. As a matter of fact, the band can get ready to come on up. Number four is it builds my faith. Malachi 3.10 says, test me in this. The only place in the Bible where we're told to test God, we're not supposed to put God to the test, but let's just be honest. If you've never done this before, it takes faith. It takes faith to pay God, to tithe, before you pay your bills. That takes a great amount of faith. Uh, but it, you bring God into the process. And every person who tithes has testimonies about God, how God has come through for them. And the last thing is this, is that it blesses me in return. We talked about the floodgates of heaven. Uh, God has big windows, and so we can expect to be blessed. And, um, you know, I, I, just, I just expect that when I honor God with the tithe and I do that consistently and I do it with a cheer, cheerful heart and gratefulness, when I do that, I just I, I expect God to take care, care of me. I want to end with a story that I want to pray for you. My, my pastor, Brother Francis, uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, my, my pastor, he got saved when he was 22 years old. He was raised, you know, he was raised going to the Catholic Church, you know, Christmas and Easter or whatever, and so at 22 years old, he had a wife, he had three, three baby girls, and um, he was a butcher. Uh, he said, I don't know why, but butchers don't make very much money. So they were just like barely scraping by. So he got radically saved, he started going to this church, and they told him, they said, um, one, of the, one of his mentors said, Francis, you got to start tithing. He's like, well, what's that? And they told him what it is, and he laughed at him. He said, that's a good one, tell me another one. And they're like, what are you laughing? He's like, There's not, I don't have 10% to give the church. Like, I, I'm, I don't have anything left at the end of the month. We're, we're going the wrong way. And he says, yeah, but you just got to trust God. And so he told his wife, said, okay, we'll trust God. So he wrote his, you know, I think it was $22, you know, a week or something like that. And he wrote that. And, um, and, and so what happened is he said nothing changed. We're just going on with life. We're just going on with life. And one day he's walking down the street and he saw his pharmacist. And the pharmacist said, Francis, now they're in a little bitty town, there's only one pharmacy. 
Francis, where, where are you buying, where are you getting your prescriptions filled at? And he stopped and thought a bit, and he's like, he's like, well, Jim, I'm not getting my prescriptions filled anywhere. He's like, well, I haven't seen you in three months. And it dawned on him. And they went back and calculated. They were spending more on prescriptions for all their three kids getting sick than they were on their tithe now. See, what happened? No more sickness in the family. It's just, it's just one way. So when we think of God coming through first with the tithe, we think of our actual salary, and that can change too. But it's all the things where our money's going that all of a sudden it just doesn't have to go to anymore. That's such a blessing. Would you stand with me today?